to the Lord. Everybody's looking nice on this not really cold December morning. I, can you believe it's December? Anybody? Isn't that crazy? I, I like was looking at my watch the other day, and and uh, and the date was on there. And I was just like, "You've got to be kidding me!" I don't know if it's getting older or if the world's just spinning faster, but it's like you blink your eyes, and it's Christmas again. But here we are. We're almost in a brand new year, everybody. And I am honored, as always, to say I get to do life with you guys. I get another Christmas with some of the best people in the entire world. You know, before we jump into our word today, we're going to, uh, I'm going to ask our ushers to come up one more time. I want to talk to you about kids' Christmas. You know, this is a big thing for us. Every year we adopt, basically, we adopt kids that are at risk, in great need. A lot of them are uh, in the foster care system, and actually there's some gaps there to where there's not programs to fund for some of these kids. And we want them to experience Christmas. Why? Because it's an opportunity for us to show them that somebody cares. And you know what? Who better than the church to show people that they are cared for? Why? Because the church reflects its father. It reflects God. We reflect Jesus as we help these kids. And let me just tell you where we're at. So our goal was $15,000. You've brought in $11,997 so far. So we need $3,003. Chris, can you handle the $3? Okay. So $3,000 we need and uh, to finish, to hit our goal 100%. And we want to say thank you. As always, as we give in this offering, it's a great, great thing. If you want to give online, you can just denote. There's a drop-down tab in there online that you can do as well. But other than that, just denote on your check or however you give on the offering envelope and uh, that we'll get it there. Also, don't forget, if you want to support Israel in this time of war, uh, we have a great team of people on the ground there that are doing amazing and uh, every, every week you keep giving, and I say thank you for that, for all of our friends in Israel on the ground doing the work of the Lord. And remember, as Christmas comes up and world, the world starts going faster and faster, don't forget to be praying for Israel. Do not forget that right now while we're out shopping and trying to figure out what gift we're getting for somebody, there's a war going on. So we want to remember that. Let's stay in prayer for them. But let me pray and we'll jump into our word. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to give and sow seed into our community. Lord, I pray that today that God, you would bless every giver abundantly. Walk with them, Father. I I pray, God, that every gift, every gift that's placed into a child's hands, into parents' hands to give to their children, that, Lord, you would anoint it to help guide the way to your truth. So Lord, we commit this to you. We ask you to bless our families in this community. Bless those that are needy this year, that Father, next year they won't be. That Lord, you're gonna open up doors of opportunity for them. But Lord, most of all, let your light shine like never before. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Go ahead, gentlemen. Amen. Well. Today, as we get started, I love the Christmas season, and I I don't know, I think 
Christmas gets even cooler when you're a grandparent. And, uh, you know, I, I look, I've got three grandbabies now, and it's so much fun. Uh, Ryan is just a little bit young to understand what's happening so far, but she, uh, she lights up the room. You know, Aiden, he's at the, he's, you know, well, Aiden's nine, right? Nine? Ten? Eight? Eight. Man, it's just like you start losing track. He's eight years old, going on 20. And uh, then, then I've got my granddaughter daughter Mackenzie who is 18 and you know they just it's, everything changes you know next Christmas we're gonna have two more grandbabies another set of blessings so uh, you, you look at Christmas and I just love it because it's that time of not just family but it's that time of really rediscovering the love of a father for a dying world so much that he gave his son for all of us. And it starts in the season that we celebrate his birth. So today as we do this, I would love for you just to stand to your feet very quickly. We're going to open our Bibles. And if you would, open your Bibles into the book of Matthew. We're going to start there. Matthew chapter 1. And I want to start in verse 18. So let me just read a few verses for you. Matthew chapter 1 beginning in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We're going to have fun today. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. And thank you that there's not a situation or circumstance in our life that your word doesn't speak to. So today, Father, I pray that as we spend this time and sow this seed, that God, it would find fertile soil in the hearts of your people. I pray that, God, this, you would convict every heart of the places where we're falling short, where we need to really put some work in. Lord, show us and help us be better. And today, Father, I pray this as always, that when we leave our time together, we would leave changed in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Well, as we get started, you know, when I look at this particular story about Joseph, you know, it's really easy to get caught up in the majesty of this moment, the, the miraculous of this moment. You're, I mean, you know, Mary, it's the, it's the virgin birth. It's an immaculate conception, you know, and, and, you know, we look at that and we read it on the paper, but we don't realize, could you put yourself in the flesh position of Joseph for just a moment? of even Mary in this moment. Now, Mary, as most women are more discerning than us men, typically, you know, it's like, oh, they've they've got this together. They get it quicker than we do. But I will also tell you that Joseph was in a mess. 
Let's just call it what it was. Here he is, he's engaged to this woman, and he's known Mary for a long time. It's not like he just met her, you know, on Christian Mingle. You know, it wasn't one of those. You know, they knew each other for a long time, and they were betrothed. They were engaged. This was a big deal. And then finds out that she's pregnant. And she says, Joseph, it's not another man. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to tell you, Joseph, if I were Joseph, I'd go, oh, I'm going to have to pray about this one. You know, life can get messy. But you know what the beautiful thing is? Is that when we listen, God is always speaking. Even in your, me in your mess. And I just want to remind you, especially in your mess, God is speaking. So today I want to talk to you about something that I think is common to all of us. The mess. The mess of our lives. So let me just ask anybody here, uh, how many of you understand when I say mess, you can relate to a mess in your life? Anybody? Right? Boy, I can. You know, and I think about messiness, and, and I look at that, I, I just think it reminds me of that one drawer that every one of us has in our house. Right? It's that one drawer, and I don't know why everything falls into that drawer. For us, it's the one under the coffee pot. And it's like you walk in the back door, and it's just that drawer. So if it ends up on that countertop, it somehow magically ends up inside that cabin, uh, inside that drawer. And here's the thing. It's really important stuff, right? There's paper. I don't know what it's like in your house, but there's papers. There's uh, business cards. There's keys. Uh, all kinds. There's batteries in ours. Uh, you know, all kinds of different things. And the other day, I was looking for something. I was looking for a cable, an adapter, actually. And uh, I mean, there is no rhyme or reason for this drawer, but I knew it was in there. So I'm just digging through this drawer and pushing stuff to the side and pushing everything aside, trying to find this. And just so you'll know, this is the, the part of our house that my wife hates the most because she can't stand clutter. She opens that drawer and she goes into anxiety right there. But there's just stuff all in there. I know it's there. I've just got to find it. Now, wouldn't it be better if in that drawer, as my wife dreams, that Everything has its place. She even went so far to get one of those little things that divide everything in the drawer. You know where you put it? You know what happens to that? It just gets piled on and people get, stuff gets put on top of it. But isn't that like our lives? It's like God has a life of order for us. And we just keep piling stuff in and doing life and, and piling in our hurts, our anxieties, our challenges, all the things that, that just really come with life. And we kind of pile it in there. And we know that our healing is there. We know that, that the thing that we're looking for is in that drawer. It's just going to take a while to find it. And see, that's what Christmas does. Christmas reminds us of the fact that what we're looking for is already there. It's already here. We just need to recognize it and grab hold of it. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. In every sense, why I love that song, I Speak Jesus, so much, because it's just so simple. It's so straightforward. I speak Jesus. At the, in this message, it'd be, I receive Jesus. I know he's there, and I just need to dig through the stuff in my life to get to him. But you know what I found about Jesus just like in Joseph's situation. Joseph had to be stressed out. I mean, we're looking at a passage of scriptures that actually talks about him, and it's very brief. 
And it doesn't go into detail about what he was going through. But you know in that time frame, he had to have some challenging thoughts. Because guess what? The enemy wanted to attack his mind just like he attacks your mind. So the question is, how does someone like Joseph overcome that thought process and the attack of the enemy to get to the place where it's like, we got this. No matter how tough it is, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how popular it is, no matter how much persecution comes with it, we've got this. And I can tell you how. The voice of God. When the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream and gave him confirmation and said, it really is this, and his name will be Jesus, and he will save many. When we read that, it's almost like God is speaking to Joseph in the middle of his mess and saying, trust me, trust me. I find that fascinating because, you know, the mess of our lives can get really complicated really quick, and we can make choices. And let me tell you what the choice I believe in most of our lives is, is we take our mess and we want to sweep it under the rug, so to speak. We just want to kind of hide it. We don't put it, we're just like, I don't want to deal with this today, so I just want to put it off. And can I tell you, that's, that's what the junk drawer is all about. It's because you didn't want to put it where it needs to be, so it just goes there for you to do later. I can tell you this, in all of our lives, is later should be now. In all of our lives, when we look at this, we need to realize that later should be now. So as we deal with this, I think it's fascinating to say, hey, you know what? I've got issues. I've got junk. I've got a mess in my life. And Maybe I need to be like somebody else in Scripture. Maybe I don't need to take a cue from Paul because his life was messy. And the truth is, we read through it, there, he, he doesn't take anything out of his life. I mean, he tells everything. I mean, he doesn't hide anything. As a matter of fact, if you'll turn with me into the book of uh, Romans, chapter 7, I love this. And I want to read this out of the New Living Translation where it says, he says, I don't understand myself at all. Well, that sounds like me sometimes. It's like, man, I do not get this. He says, I don't understand myself at all, for I really want to do what's right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. I know perfectly well that I'm doing what I'm doing is wrong, but I can't help myself. I know I'm rotten through and through. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try to not do wrong, I do it anyway. Can anybody relate to what Paul's saying there? You know, and he's not saying that it's over, that you're not going to make it, that you're not going to succeed the whole the old obstacle, not the obstacle, the whole idea that he's trying to present here is this, is that in our flesh, we struggle, but we need to hear the voice of God. When we hear the voice of God in our lives, that's what gives us the direction. The voice of God is what says, look, I know you're a mess, but my grace covers you. I know you got issues. I know there's a lot of mess in your life, but you know what? As long as you're willing to give it to me, I'll take care of it. From that respect, we realize that messiness lives, leads us to the gift of Jesus. The messiness of our life is what leads us to Christ. You know, and I find this too in life, and I think some of you will agree with me, if not all of you, is that people aren't drawn to your perfection. 
they're drawn to the fact that you're real and that the story of what God's done in your life is a testimony that God will do it in their life too. So when we try to act like we don't have any messes, when we try to act like we've got all this together, we've got it all figured out, we're really doing a disservice to what God is trying to do. He's trying to give people hope through your story. So when we read through this, it's absolutely fascinating. So I'm going to give you a few key thoughts today. The first one is this. To change your life, you must accept that you do have the authority to live better. I want to say that part again. You must accept that you do have the authority to live better. Can you just tell your neighbor, you can do this? It's true to live better, but you must release the mess. You've got to stop sweeping it under the rug. You've got to quit putting it off, and you've got to say, no, 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 I'm going to deal with this stuff. This is the season that I'm dealing with my mess. I'm releasing it, and I'm letting God heal me. I'm letting God take care of what needs to be taken care of. I'm just going to be faithful. Here's what happens when we try to hide our mess. When we try to hide our mess as believers, it leads to spiritual apathy. Spiritual apathy when, you know, I've tried and it just doesn't work. Some of you, have you ever been to the place where you're like going, I, I believe in Jesus, but sometimes I'm just not a very good Christian. <laughs> Anybody ever had that conversation with yourself? And I, it's a spiritual apathy. What happens is when we don't deal with the mess in our lives, when we don't give our mess to God, that means we're not receiving the gift of grace that God has given us through Jesus, truth, and grace. So when we see this, we need to understand it can lead to a spiritual apathy. And when we don't deal with our mess, another thing happens. God becomes a routine in our life instead of a passion. We see that in all of our lives. And the truth is, a lot of us have been through those seasons, if we're being honest, to where we do things out of rote instead of out of passion. We do things out of habit instead of out of the passion that we have for what God's done for us. So this morning, the challenge would simply be to this, God, I don't want to be spiritually apathetic. I don't want to step into that. And the answer is deal with your mess. Deal with your mess. Another thing can happen uh, other than spiritual apathy. It become, your, uh, your spiritual walk can become spiritual performance. I'm just putting it on. I come to church and I know the right moves. I know the right things to say. When my family comes over or my friends come over and I'm hurting inside and I've got this mess, I don't want to let them know because I don't want to let them down. I don't want them to let them know that I'm not perfect. Can I tell you this? They already know you're not perfect. No matter how hard you try, you ain't got that down yet. None of us do. But see, when we try to do that, it becomes spiritual performance. And the truth is, is spiritual performance and spiritual apathy in our lives does not please God. So my thought for this season as we step into December is this. What if we went into December? What if we went into the rest of this year and did it with an idea of saying, you know what? I'm truly going to honor God with my life this month. I'm going to shift some things in my heart and say, God, I want to truly walk with you for Christmas. I truly want to be with you. I want to walk with you, and I'm going to stop trying to hide my mess, and I'm going to get my, my mess under the blood of Jesus. I'm going to give my mess to Jesus. That, my friends, is a powerful thing. Let me give you another key thought. The second one is this. 
Remember this. Remember that you are an unfinished masterpiece that God is tirelessly working on to completion. You are a masterpiece. I think sometimes we look at our lives and we compare our lives to what we see in other people. We look at somebody that we admire. We look at somebody that maybe is uh, perhaps ahead of us spiritually. And we look at their lives, and then we look at ours. And here, here's the truth. When you look at people that perhaps when somebody's on, I'll use me for example, and you look up here and you see me on the platform, the truth is, is you're not seeing the temptations and the struggles that I might go through personally. You don't see those things. What you see is somebody that steps on the platform and hopefully speaks with confidence in the word of God and brings the unadulterated truth of the word of God to you boldly and willingly and enjoyably. But that's great. But you need to understand that there's also challenges. There's also struggles. There's also there's pain. There's all the things that you experience as well. See, the problem is, is we look at other people and we compare their best to our worst. And what I want to challenge you in on this is realize that you are an unfinished masterpiece. And God says, everything that he starts, he finishes. So what he has started in you, he's going to complete in you. So I don't want you to get uh, brokenhearted or discouraged because you've not arrived yet. Can I just tell you, nobody has arrived yet. We've got a lot of work to do, and I want you to realize, give yourself a break and stop comparing yourself to other people and start opening the word of God for yourself and saying, God, change me. Change me. Help me be the testimony. Help my life be the testimony that shows people the hope that only you can give. Help people see me and understand that, yes, there's an anointing in that life, but to understand that there's always a cost. There's always that journey that takes you there, the testimony. Help me be that person, God, that people look at and they say, we know he came from a mess, but it's obviously he's dealing with the mess by giving it to Jesus. See, that should be the story of our life because we all live in a broken world, don't we? We all live in, in messes all around us. If, if you could think in the world just for a moment, look at the mess of the world. When we look around, let's look at the United States. Wow. We went from a Christian nation to a non-Christian nation in the course of decades. In the course of less than one decade, we've gone from where the Bible had a precedent place, had, a, had a, a high place in the thought of most Americans to the place now where it's rejected in the places where it should be elevated. To the place where some churches have distorted the word of God and instead of preaching the unadulterated word of God, they preach a different gospel, which the Bible talks about. You say, what is that? It's a mess. That's what it is. When we look at our political system, and Lord knows we're fixing to walk into the election cycle again. Oh, joy. Right? I mean, we look, you think that's not going to be a mess? You know, this election cycle usually lasts for a year. They're going to last, gonna, what, another six years probably? Because no matter who wins, well, anyway, let's get off that. It's a mess. But what do we do with the mess? We trust God in the mess. We don't sit back and sweep it under the rug. 
which a lot of people do. It's like, oh God, that's not my job. It's not my job. Somebody else that's more eloquent with their words needs to stand up and be counted and speaking in these places and, and letting their opinions and their godly morals be seen. I'm telling you, that's not right. It's the same thing because all you're doing is sweeping the mess under the rug. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. You deal with your mess. When we live in a mess, we deal with it. Your house ain't gonna get clean until you clean it. Our, our country's not gonna get clean until we clean it. Our schools will not be clean until we clean it. Our houses will not be clean. Does, does that make sense, everybody? Y'all are the sleepiest crowd at 8.30 this morning that I've had in a long time. But <laughs> That's amen to y'all being sleepy, right? Is that what that was? Okay. No, but that's the reality, isn't it? When we look at what's happening across the world, we see the war in Israel. We see the war in Ukraine. We see it everywhere. We see the conflicts that are happening everywhere. We see uh, the fact that we're, we're bombing Iran and doing some. There, there's a lot going on in this world, and a lot of believers don't even know it. Why? Well, I'm just watching my soap opera. I don't even have soap operas. I can't use that one anymore. It's like I'm, I'm watching Netflix. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. It's like I, I'm just going to, you know, uh, I, I've got a ladies meeting. I've got a men's meeting. I've got this and this. I'm not paying attention to that stuff. God's going to take care of that. What if God's called you to be the broom? See, I just think it's important for us to understand. We are the hands and feet of Jesus on this earth. So we need to be the people that are willing to do what it takes to get to where we must go. We've got to say, God, we know, we get it. There's something we've got to do. And I recognize I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. But I know this. I am an unfinished masterpiece. And I want to get to the place where I am a finished. And that's when Jesus comes because you're not going to be finished until Jesus comes and gets you, right? You do realize that. So we have to realize that God is at work. I love Philippians chapter one, verse six says this, says, and I'm sure that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when, Je when Christ Jesus comes back again. That's all of us. And while God's working, you're becoming. See, some of you gotta get okay with the fact that you've not arrived, that you're becoming. It's like the idea of, well, I'll, I'll give my life to Jesus once my life, I've straightened out all the issues, then I'll come to Christ. I can't come to Christ like this. See, that, that, but that's a backward gospel. That's not the gospel. The gospel is come to Jesus as you are. He'll clean you up. So that's my point is when we see this, we realize we're becoming. And that's a beautiful thing. I look across my life and I am absolutely certain that some of you guys are the same way, is that I look across my life and I realize I'm not the same person I was when I was 17. I'm not the same person that I was when I was 25. I'm not the same person I was, I can keep going, when I was 35 or 45. And as of next week, 55. So I know, it's terrible. But when we look at this, I just think it's to understand that it's because we're becoming. And can I tell you, some people say, man, wouldn't it be nice to be young again? Nope. Nope. I've done that. I've rode that roller coaster. I don't want to ride it again. 
You know, say, yeah, but it's no fun getting old. Speak for yourself. I'm good. I'm good, you know, but, but I look at it and I say, but I've changed so much, and I realize that who I am, this is part of the process. If getting older is part of the process of me becoming, I'm fine with that. But in our spiritual walk, it's the same way. We are becoming, so don't beat yourself up because you're not the finished work yet. It's happening. So let me just, challenge, uh, let me just give you an encouragement. Breathe. Breathe. God's not through with you yet. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, that's encouraging to me because sometimes I'm like getting stressed out because I don't feel like I'm making the progress quick enough that, that I feel like I should be making. And sometimes it's just that, just breathe and realize God's not through with you yet. It's not an excuse to not work on it, but it's the idea of realizing don't give up because better days are ahead. Don't give up because the greater mission that God created for, it's coming don't give up because that outpouring of the Holy Spirit that we all read about through Scripture, it's coming. It's happening all over the world. We're just saying, why not here yet? Why not? Come on. Come on. I don't know. But we're becoming, and we're waiting, and we're working, and we're going to clean our house. We're going to do what God's called us to do. We're going to be the people God's called us to be. We're going to look at the things in our lives and the, tr the junk drawer in our life and say, you know what? I'm finally going to break down and take care of this because I'm tired of digging through all the junk of my life to get to what matters the most, to get to what I need. Let me give you one more. I love this one. Pursue God with faithfulness even when you feel inadequate. And know that God's grace will carry you through every difficult season. That first part is so powerful if you'll own it. Pursue God with faithfulness even when you feel inadequate. I look back at Joseph. Can you imagine how inadequate he must have felt? Now, I want you to get past the fact that the messiness of the decision, the, mess, mess of, the messiness of, you know, it's like, you mean you're with child and all the, all the things, let's move past that. He's had the dream and he's like, okay, we're doing this. It's still messy because now he's got cultural opinion he's got to deal with. He's got to deal with all these different things. And here's what I need you to say, see is sometimes when it doesn't look like what you thought it would look like, and I can assure you that Joseph's story did not end like he thought it did, but it was far better than he thought it could ever be. But when we look at this, I just want you to understand that when it gets difficult, when you get into the dark season, keep pushing, keep believing, because even when you feel like you don't have the strength or you're inadequate for what God's called you to, you keep pushing because God's called you that moment. He's placed you there, and you say, I'm not going to stop, and I have to depend. I have to trust that God's grace will carry me through the difficulties. As a pastor, I mean, most of you know my story, and I'm not going to go through all that today, but, you know, I, I find it fascinating as I look across my life at what God's done in mine and Tawana's life, and there are so many times that we feel completely inadequate for the challenges that God pushes and puts in front of us. But when I look at those challenges and I move forward and I look back now, I go, my gosh, making that decision? You know, maybe you're like this. As you look back on things that were monster mountains at one time in your life and you look back and you go, wow, that really wasn't that big of a deal. 
But boy, it was in that moment, wasn't it? It was heartbreaking. It was a challenge. But now you look back and you go, wow, I wish that was the only challenge I had. The one I've got here is even bigger. Why? We're becoming. We're becoming stronger. We're becoming more like Jesus. We're becoming more, uh, uh, more the people of God that he created us to be. So we have to understand that our job is to walk in faithfulness. <laughs> you know, it's, I laugh at this because, you know, I realized like my dad, my dad was known as the happy pastor, right? Some of y'all have never heard that, but he was called the happy pastor everywhere he went. Uh, and I always hated that terminology. But anyway, but he was a happy pastor and it, because he was always joyful. Everywhere he went, he was joyful everywhere he went. But can, I can tell you this, he wasn't always joyful at, how, at home. Because he had me for a son. And I was the difficult one. You know, they'd tell me, I was the honest one. I've always been this way. I've always been transparent. I've always been open. It's like, you know, they'd ask me, son, son did you do this? Yep, I sure did. What did you do? Well, I did this, then I did this, then this. That was great, too, by the way. And then I did this. To the point to when I finally got a little older, mom and dad, my mom, I remember my mom coming to me and said, son, just don't tell us anymore. We don't want to know. <laughs> I was just always honest. I always have been. And so I remember having conversations with dad. And I can assure you when he was looking at me, and so I come from the days of whippings. Y'all remember those? Y'all remember? Nowadays, we have a different terminology for it. But but back then, it was called love. (laughs) I got a lot of love. I can just tell you. And, And, you know, and it's like I'm looking at, there's no way he was happy. But it's not about the moment. It's about the lifestyle. And to realize that your joy is not dependent upon your circumstance or the moment that you're in. Your joy is dependent on who you serve. So it says the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not your joy is what makes you strong. That's not what Scripture says. Scripture says it's the joy of the Lord that is your strength. So today I would tell you that when you're in those difficult places and you feel like you're inadequate, lean into the grace that God has for you. Stay faithful in the moment, even when you don't feel like it, even when it just doesn't feel great, you keep pushing because you know it's the right thing to do. You know, my wife's been under the weather and, uh, and you know, it's like, man, when I left the house this morning, because I've been sleeping on the couch. When she's sick, I ain't going in there, you know, unless I have to. It's like, you know, I, I put the blood of the lamb over the door. I'm like, I ain't, nope. Anyway, so I'm on the couch, and, and uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm like everybody else. You know, I don't know, maybe it's an age thing, but when uh, I sleep on the couch, I pull the coffee table up real close, and I've got all my stuff. I've got my iPad and all my stuff, my books, and I've got a little light that clicks to my book. You know, i got all this stuff, and then i got my drink because you gotta have a, you got to have your water beside there, you know. And so I've got all this stuff around me, and I woke up a little late today because she didn't wake me up. It's not my job, but anyway, so so, uh, so I'm getting ready real fast. I'm trying to get out the door, and I look at I look and I see the couch. It's just a mess. The cushions are everywhere. My blankets are still there. I'm seeing all this stuff, and I'm going, "Oh Lord, I need to clean that up." And I did not want to say this, but I had to turn to my wife as I was leaving the house. I said, "I will clean it up later." 
Now, can I just tell you? She knows that I had to get to the church. She knows. She understands that. But when I go home, this won't be in the second service, just, you know, because it's live stream. When I go home, that couch will still be there, but I guarantee you it'll probably be straightened up, cleaned up, and pristine, even though she doesn't feel good. I'll pay the price for that. But it's because she's going to do what has to be done even when she feels inadequate. I pray that our hearts are the same. That even when we're not feeling it, we do what we must. Because that's what God's called us to. You are a work in progress. So push through. Do you know, I want to finish with this story. You know, the Bible talks about the adulterous woman. Remember the story? And in the story, uh, she's being condemned, and they're wanting to stone her. They wanted to kill her, and all these men are, are, are just shouting and doing all this stuff. And I'm not going to go into all the story. We don't need to. But I love the power of this story because we all know, and it's found in John chapter 8, and I love this. John chapter 8, verses 10 and 11, and still in the New Living. Then Jesus stood up again and said to her, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. If Jesus could stand in the gap for her, Do you think he might for you, even in your mess, even in the place where you've not been faithful? Picture yourself in that lady's shoes just for a moment. You want to talk about feeling inadequate, feeling not worthy? I'm sure she felt all of those things, but it's not uncommon to us either, is it? I've sat in moments that I felt completely unequipped and literally inadequate. And this is the picture that comes to my mind. Woman, where are your accusers? They're gone. Why? Well, he ran them off. He made them confront their own flesh. And can I tell you something? There's no accusers in this room because we've all failed. We've all had messes and have messes. But I'm struck by this. Do you suppose that Jesus would do the same for you? Do you think just for a moment that he could take our messes and redeem them? That's the gift. Your mess isn't the gift. It's the fact that Jesus takes our mess, no matter what it has been, and redeems it. What you thought was going to be the end, God says, I'm going to use for the benefit of the kingdom. So hang on. And as you walk into Christmas this year, walk knowing that you've been called to this moment. And that this year, more than any year that we've been alive, people are looking for hope like never before. May we be willing to deal with our messes 
so that the world can see the testimony of the goodness of God in each of our lives. I don't want to carry stones to throw. And I'm praying, God, keep the stones from being thrown at me. I need you, Jesus. And I hope that's your prayer today as well. Would you bow your head and close your eyes all across the room? Father, today, I pray, God, that you would speak to each of our hearts. <laughs> that, Lord, as we look at the messes that we've tolerated, that as we look at the world around us and wonder sometimes, wow, what a mess. Father, I pray that we would be reminded that you've put us here to be a solution to the mess. So help us be the broom. Help us to be the dustpan, whatever it takes. Help us to do what you've called us to do, to be who you've called us to be. And Father, I pray for those that are struggling, that just literally feel inadequate, that feel unprepared for a season that they might be in. Remind us that, God, your grace is not just enough. Your strength is not just enough. <laughs> your word says it's more than enough. So I speak that over my family today, God. I speak that over my friends today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, you're here today and you say, Pastor, the truth is in my life today, I know. <laughs> I need to be willing to give God some messes in my life. I know I've got those and I need to deal with some stuff because I want to do this right. He said, Pastor, would you be praying for me this week? Because I, I need it. I, I, need to sh I need to shift some things. I need to get to work. If that's you, just slip your hand up right where you are so I'll know how to pray for you this week and say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Amen. You can place your hands back down. Now I'm going to ask everyone here, if you would, would you just stand to your feet for a moment? And I'm going to ask you a question. Maybe you're here today and you realize that, Pastor, I, I know that I'm not in the right place that I should be in my walk with God. I know there's sin in my life. I know that I'm doing things that don't honor God with my life. So maybe you're here and you say, Pastor... I've walked the path of faith, but I've lost my way. I've been there. I can tell you there's a path forward. And some of you are here and you say, Pastor, I've never really made a true commitment to Jesus. And today I would tell you what a beautiful season in which to change that trajectory. To say, I want to belong to Jesus 100%. I want to follow him with everything in me. See, that's the same for all of us. But today, I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes once more. You say, Pastor, today, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. If that's you, would you mind just slipping your hand up and say, Pastor, remember me today. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. I don't want to miss a hand. Amen. You can place them back down. Thank you. 
And everyone, if you'd look at me just for one more moment. For those of us that have walked with God for a long time, I I look back, and I want to say this. I've, I've got just a couple of minutes, so bear with me. Do you remember when Jesus came into your life? Do you remember that day that you surrendered for real? I'm not talking about when you were five, because you don't remember that. Come on, unless you've got some kind of crazy memory. I, I can't, I can't, I don't remember five. But I remember, I know the importance of those moments, but as an adult, when we knew, maybe as a teenager, at that age of, you just knew, and you received Jesus, but you knew something had changed. You never forget that moment. And here's my prayer today. That as you're journeying forward, that this moment, maybe it's a a renewal. Maybe it's that I'm coming back. Maybe it's just, God, Lord, I just may, I I mess up a lot. (laughs) Whatever that looks like. I pray that when you hit those difficult moments and that temptation comes on again, you look back at this moment and go, my God is bigger than my temptation. My God is bigger than my mess. He's going to carry me, and I'm going to trust him. So remember that. But we're about to say a prayer. And in this prayer, it's a simple statement. It's this confession of our sin, basically. It's where Jesus says, if you'll be faithful to confess your sin, I'll be faithful to forgive you of all unrighteousness. So what we're doing is we're, we're confessing together of that sin. And today, the only thing I would ask you, if you raise your hand and said, Pastor, I need Jesus today, don't try to do this alone. We need each other desperately. We need each other. So let somebody know. Tell us. Grab a connection card. See us out there. Come to the altar. Whatever that looks like, we just want to walk with you. So we're going to say this prayer together. So can we bow our heads all across the room and say this simple prayer together? Dear Jesus... I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior right now. I repent of my sin and I turn away from my past. Today I am forgiven. And today I'm a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Today... I am born again. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Give the Lord.